Hello, I'm Rev. Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter uh, 5, 6, and 7. We've just been in chapter 5 for the past few weeks. This is Jesus teaching to the disciples that he's called and to the crowd that has started gathering him because they know there's something there that he has to offer them. He starts out, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, with the Beatitudes, these series of blessings that sort of turn regular concepts upside down, that the meek and the merciful and the pure in heart are actually blessed, that God provides comfort and righteousness and mercy to those folks, that even to be persecuted for our faith or for following Jesus brings a reward, not in this life and not in monetary treasures, but in life everlasting. And then we talked about last week this concept, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we spent a little time last week talking about these two very simple but important things that salt brings flavor and uh, brings out the natural flavor in foods, um, but it doesn't do any good if it's sitting on the shelf in the pantry. You got to use it. Same way with light, that Jesus reminded us that we have the light of God within us already, that it is there. But so often we want to cover it up with a bushel or not let it shine. So a light that's not turned on or a light that's not, that is covered up isn't doing anybody any good. Salt is meant to be used. Light is meant to shine. And last week our sort of phrase was pour the salt, turn on the lights, right? That's where we were last week. So then Jesus talked about the importance of the law and the prophets. So often we talk about Jesus and we sometimes we think that he has sort of done away with all of the Old Testament, which is not true. Jesus was Jewish. He was steeped in that Jewish tradition. So were his listeners and the customs and the laws. And so he had a very uh, healthy respect for and love for the law. He just interpreted the law and the prophets through the lens of God's love, which sounds warm and fuzzy, but in actuality is quite difficult to do and challenging to do, as we're going to find out from today's scripture, which is Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38. I'm going to read the whole thing this morning, and then we'll go back and talk about, uh, talk about it bit by bit. Matthew 5, starting at verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to anyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for them, for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain and righteousness on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? 
Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want to start with that last line. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This idea of perfection has been one that has loomed large in my life. I don't know if it's because uh, that was an early Bible memory verse for me. You know, be ye therefore perfect. Um, I don't know if it's just how my brain is wired, if it was the way I was raised. But in my life, uh, perfection, these glasses are driving me insane. Uh, there are bifocals. Now I can't see y'all, but I can see this. Um, this idea of perfection has shaped my life in such a way that I've lived pretty carefully. <laughs> I don't try things that I know I'm not going to be good at. Um, little mistakes just tear me out of the frame. I noticed this morning, you know, we have this tear-off prayer card. You can put that in the bullet uh, up here in the plate a little bit later. Um, I noticed that the the little bit of the license information part of it is on the bottom part that you tear off and that drives me crazy <laughs> last sunday if you were in the 11 o'clock service i prayed and when i got up to pray it was right after russ had made an announcement which was out of the ordinary for that worship service so i got up to pray and it sounded just like Russ Peterman, our senior minister, and Renee Hope, the executive minister. They were sitting in, over by the pulpit. And it sounded like they went, pss, 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 like trying to get my attention. Like you're, and I'm like, is this, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing this at the wrong place? And I'm standing at the lectern and I went. <laughs> and I just stared at them for what felt like 30 seconds. And they're looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, why are you looking at us? And, I, and in my head is like, am I doing this wrong? Am I in the wrong place? Have I said that I, was Russ not finished? So all this stuff runs through my mind, right? This idea of perfection, um, which doesn't exist, of course. Um, I found out this week as I was wrestling with this text that another translation, and maybe a better translation of be perfect is this sense of being persistent, of being persistent, of, be, of working toward something, of working toward wholeness, of working toward completion. And I like that because that's something that we can do. Faith is a way of life. It is a daily striving to grow in our relationship with God. I wouldn't say grow closer with God because God is ever near. God is ever present. But to grow in our relationship with God. And for Christians, we do that by learning and trying to follow the teachings of Jesus and the words of Jesus. But what we also tend to do is we try to legalize, in a way, the words of the gospel. Just like the, uh, the Jewish people in Jesus' day had legalized the law and the prophets because a list of rules is easy to follow it's very simplified do this don't do this and you'll go to heaven right do this don't do this and you'll go to heaven but when we do that we lose the essence of what the gospel is and so when we encounter these tough texts like we're looking at today 
it's hard to make a behavior checklist out of something like this. That might actually be easier if we did. But Jesus isn't telling us this is how you have to behave in every single situation. Every time this certain one thing happens, you do this. He is asking us to take a step back, to take a bird's eye view of our life and our faith and to be smart about the way that we live our lives and deal with other people. Just like he's talking about re retaliation, right? This concept of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Let the punishment fit the crime. But Jesus is saying instead of being vengeful and taking an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, why don't we do something surprising when someone does something to us? And he gives an example. So if somebody hits you, turn the other cheek, offer the other cheek. This is not Jesus saying, be abused, accept abuse every time somebody, you know, don't, he's not telling us to live that way. But what a surprising thing if somebody hits you and instead of hitting them back or yelling at them or screaming at them or scratching at them, you just turn the other cheek. And they're going to be like, what is he doing? It's a smart thing. It, it knocks people out of their, their frame of reference. And then he gives this example about if somebody sues you for your coat, give them your cloak too. For the poor people who were listening to Jesus, your cloak was your blanket. So if a person with power sues you for your coat, and then you, in addition, just give it to them and then give them your bed blanket too, that's going to make them look real petty. That's going to make them think, what is she doing? You know? Jesus isn't saying this is how you behave every time you're mugged. This is a way to live your life in a different way. To approach our lives in a way that always elicits a faithful response. Something surprising. Something that says this person is different. This person lives life in a different way. What are, what are they doing? He says if you're forced to walk a mile, the Roman government could force you to carry soldiers' things for a mile. Jesus is like, they make you do that, just keep going another mile. They're not going to know what you're doing. They're not going to understand that. Then he shifts into this idea about telling us how to live this different way. How do we get to that point where we learn to approach our faith with this bird's eye view, where we shift and are nimble and can flex and do things differently than people expect us to do. And this one is a doozy. He says, the sun shines and the rain falls on not just the good people, but on everybody. Everybody has worth. Even them? Uh-huh. Even them. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Pray for your enemies. The way we practice loving our enemies is to pray for them instead of wishing them harm or wishing retaliation against them. Jesus says, pray for them. Now, I've been known to, when a really rude driver, a horrible driver, cuts me off, 
I have been known to wish out loud that that person would get a ticket. I have been known to pray that that person would get a ticket. And then later when I drive by and they're sitting on the side of the road, this is the fantasy in my head, then I get to slow down and wave at them and smile. That is the, you know, that's the easy way. That is the, that's the sort of childish um, root behavior that, that is instilled in us. I'm going to hurt them the way they hurt me. That's how we slide into not caring about other people as people. And we have to consider who we think of as our enemies. It's not just the Taliban or Al-Qaeda. It could be that politician that makes your stomach churn every time you see her or him. Or it might be the people that love that politician that make your stomach turn every time you see her or him. It might be Aunt Wilma and Uncle Joe. It might be the parents of your kid's best friend. It might be your next door neighbor. It might be somebody sitting across this aisle from you right now. I'm going to hurt them like they hurt me. Or I'm going to hurt them before they hurt me. Jesus is telling us it's easy to love people who are like us, who think like us, who look like us, who live like us, who worship like us. That is the easy thing to do. And it's easy to hate people who don't look like us, live like us, worship like us, eat like us. But it's hard to hate somebody you're praying for regularly. And it's also hard to pray for someone you don't like. And Jesus knows that. That's what he's telling us. That's why he says not be perfect, but be persistent. Be working to this sense of wholeness. Be working to this way of living a complete life. Give persistent attention to the way you live your life. Surprise people with our loving responses. And pray for the people who are challenging us the most. And one day you might say, what am I doing? You are walking in the way of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org. If you like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.